0: So that's the choice that comes from Anonymous, but Anonymous is dedicating it to uh, his or her ex. So we just want to say, oh yeah, if uh, you're dedicating it to your ex, the only girl in the world. So, oh, we're sorry. It sounds like it was a breakup. So just that dedication to your ex is a nice, sweet thing. Um, Eleanor says thanks, a big shout out to the doctor on the peri and the perimenopause and the perimenopause and the menopause question. Yep, it's a conversation that needs to be continued. It's 20 to 10. Don't forget the lovely KG is on after 10 o'clock. She's on with seasons. She'll take you through to one o'clock playing you some great music and keeping your Saturday morning and day going. So as I mentioned, this is a show where we are covering the weird and the wonderful today. We really have gone um, every single point of the spectrum. And now we're going to something that, eh, I don't know, but it's just a conceptual thing. So there we go. There are two artists who have created a COVID-infused perfume. This is to focus on uh, the stories and the narrative of South Africa's very dark past and also to posit questions about its future. On the line with us, we have Jordan Tryon, who's an artist and creative director. Um, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Good morning.
0: Okay, Jordan, this is, this is something that I'm wrapping my head around. Um, it is <laughs> probably the most conceptual idea I've felt in a long time. So what have you done? What have you created and why?
1: Okay, well, it's a a tricky thing to kind of sum up succinctly, but more or less, we've created a a perfume, um, a fragrance, that's um, based on an iconic scent from the 80s, Georgia Woman, um, and it's infused with dead COVID-19 cells. Um, In a nutshell, that's what we've done.
0: Okay, wait. So you've created a perfume that is infused with dead COVID-19 cells.
1: That's right, yes.
0: So first of all, where did you get the dead COVID-19 cells from? And secondly, more importantly why?
1: Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a sketchy one. Um, when I was ill with the virus, I collected my saliva every day. Um, and when we had enough of it, um, we used it to infuse the perfume. Why? So the, the why is a, <laughs> a larger question. I think when the first lockdown happened um, and we were all confronted with images of the police and the military in the townships, we were all obviously reminded of that very dark past that we've all endured uh, as a nation, but more specifically the most disenfranchised people of this country. And um, it was like a ghost reappearing, I suppose. And um, what we wanted to try and do was raise questions about the nature of that ghost and how it sort of manifests itself in contemporary South Africa. So many millions of people. And that was the motivation for locating the work within... The period by enthusiasm of COVID. Yeah. But also evoking the past, particularly the 80s, uh, with the fragrance itself, which, as I say, was based on Giorgio Woman, which is an iconic scent from the 80s.
0: So the Giorgio Woman perfume was called Ghost. Um, and that was, at the time, a very kind of floral, sort of happy go lucky perfume. Now, suddenly, you've got something which is talking to the ghost of our country's past, which uh, we can, uh, this week has definitely raised that in so many different ways. So it talks Mm. to the ghost of our country's past, but as you say, it talks to the more immediate present where we've seen um, the police uh, really going out and being high levels of violence against Mm. uh, South African citizens. And you felt like this was a way of engaging people in that
1: conversation. Precisely right. You know, I think you know perfume by its nature has uh, you know certain qualities which other mediums don't. Um, you know, it's able to recall certain periods like nothing else can, and I think that's why we veered towards using perfume in the first place. And as you rightly say, Georgia Orman was a very kind of floral uh, scent and was kind of flamboyant. And the developers themselves refer to its um, white floralcy, which we also found to be quite interesting because obviously. While everybody was well aware of what was going on, um, there was a kind of sort of willful, almost frivolous nonchalance to a large extent amongst the uh, you know, the white population at the time. And I suppose we just wanted to call that out, raise questions about um, the results of that attitude uh, and how its uh, sort of effects continue to, um, to affect so many people in this country.
0: Yeah. So the reason I say it's a very conceptual idea is because this is not a perfume... Well, I'm, I'm assuming that it's not a perfume that's going to go on sale and that people will buy. It is, it's It's no. it's an idea, and you're using it as an idea. And I, I think that it raises very interesting questions around conceptual art. And a lot of people look at something and they go, I don't understand that, and I don't know why they're doing that. And that's sure. when it does become... Very conceptual. So talk to us what that means when we say it's a conceptual work and how that then plays out in the art world.
1: Well, I mean to a large extent any good artwork is conceptual and that it's underpinned by an idea. But as you rightly say, um, conceptual work in its kind of in its traditional sense is less about the visual aspects and more about the connotations that the materials themselves are able to sort of evoke or deliver. Um, And it's obviously become a perfectly uh, acceptable and widespread means of of asking questions. I think the idea of there not being a definitive answer to a nuanced question um, like the ones uh, we're trying to pose is also quite important. Um, You can't capture succinctly a a solution or a, a diagnosis necessarily, but what you can do is use the sort of communicative potential of different materials to to raise those questions and to begin dialogue, which I think is what we still need to be doing, crucially, um, in this country in particular.
0: So it's the role of the artist to create, to raise the question as opposed to um, assume the answers.
1: I think so. I mean, obviously, everyone has their own um, interpretive capacity and they will all look at and engage with things differently.
0: Yeah.
1: It would be a... I think a bit arrogant to assume that uh, what you say is um, going to be read in a particular way. So yes, I think spot on. We are attempting to to generate dialogue uh, and also invite various perspectives um, because that's crucial to any kind of uh, meaningful dialogue.
0: I mean, the great challenge, of course, about conceptual art, and and as you say, most art, all art, is conceptual to a degree or to a greater degree or lesser degree. But the the challenge, of course, about conceptual art is that... um, It may require an explanation. Do you believe that? Do you think that if I go into the art gallery and I see um, a bottle that is filled with something and I don't know what it is, that you need to explain to me what that bottle is? (laughs) <laughs> or, for example, there's the artist who created um, an artwork which was simply a banana attached to the wall with a <laughs> piece of, um, s- uh, of masking tape. Duct tape. tape. Du- duct tape, yeah, that's right.
1: Maurizio Catalan, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and
0: then, of course, the problem was that uh, one of the audience members just went over to the artwork and ate it. So yeah, he
1: got hungry. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: so does it need the explanation?
1: Well, look, I think if you're serious about what you're doing as an artist, you have to have intent behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think to be able to explain that and to articulate the reasons for your practice and for your particular works is very important. Yeah. Um, you can't possibly uh, expect people to read it that way necessarily. So I think it's the artist's personal responsibility to, to know what they're doing and why. And I think it's absolutely the audience to interpret it. As they will, I think a lot of people find it helpful to have a starting point, um, yeah. and I think that's what you know, right? Explanations do help to do.
0: Yeah, you know, Jordan. Um, I suppose in closing, what, this was part of the Sassel New Signatures twenty twenty one exhibition. It was an ent- a successful entry into it. Um, what what did the judges say?
1: I've got no idea. Uh, We didn't place the top three or four, or whatever it might have been, so I can't imagine it was entirely positive. Um, But as I say, it was, you say, should I say, it made it through. So um, it couldn't have been uh, totally disliked. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Okay. Do people want to see it, where can they find it?
1: At the moment, um, the show is on at the Pretoria Art Museum, um, after which it'll travel the country over the course of the next year.
0: Fantastic. Jordan Tryon is uh, the co-creator of an artwork that is uh, a COVID-infused perfume. He took his own spit and then uh, put it into a bottle. And the bottle is linked to the concept of ghost. It's called ghost and, um, or gust, which is the German uh, entomological predecessor of the word ghost. And it looks at uh, the history of perfume and the lightness of being that comes to perfume, but indeed the darkness with this particular bottle which talks not only to COVID but to um, our apartheid-era history. And I suppose it does raise great questions around um, how far do artists go when it comes to something that they that is conceived and is conceptual, and uh, what is the language that we need as the viewer to start to understand the artwork as well. And there's so many works I can think of that I'm like, um, go, Ooh, that's so hard to understand. But then when I spent time looking at it, it really raised all sorts of issues for me as well, which were quite.